This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now, here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. Welcome to the show today, everyone. Got a busy slate today, so I can't really talk that much, but a couple of things that happened last night. You had Kyler Murray win the Heisman Award over two attack of Viola. So Kyler Murray of Oklahoma, he gets the Heisman. So Oklahoma has back-to-back Heisman winners, obviously last year being Baker Mayfield. This year, Kyler Murray at the quarterback spot. Me, personally, I think this is a horrible decision. Without question, Tua should have won the Heisman. This was not a close race, in my opinion, at all. Tua, quarterback on the best team in the country, had the best performances, if we're going by value added to uh, without question, Alabama was the best team in the country throughout the year. Tua is being penalized because he had an ankle injury and got injured and re-aggravated in the SEC title game. One game does not determine the Heisman Award. It's an entire season-long progression, and the Heisman voters basically had blinders on to the fact that the Big 12 is a defense, I mean, it's a league with absolutely no defense being played the entirety of the season, whereas Tua is playing in the hardest league in the country week after week against better defenses than any than any that Kyler Murray has faced all year and outplayed him. And the fact of the matter is, is that Tua is sitting on the bench in the fourth quarter while Kyler Murray is having to keep playing those games and piling on stats because his defense is so terrible. Like, if you're trying to argue that the reason why uh, Kyle Murray won the Heisman is because of stats, that's a whole uh, that's a load of BS because the stats are the fact that Kyle Murray was able to pad stats because he was in tight ball games. Tua's team blows teams out, so he's sitting on the bench in the fourth quarter. He's not going to be ta- uh, padding stats for the sake of padding stats. That's not how Alabama does things. So, you know, if you're coming at it from the argument of, oh, well, from a QBR perspective, you know, sometimes you got to use your eyes. And if half the time I feel as though these voters don't actually even look at the damn games that they're covering. They're just covering their own individual team and then filing in a report. So, like, guys like me that are looking at it from fantasy perspective and covering all these games are more in tune to what's actually going on in reality across the landscape of college football that the guys who are, uh, are actually being given the right to vote on the Heisman. And yes, the prior Heisman Award winners are incredibly biased. Like, the Heisman voting makes n- almost no sense to me, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, but, you know, there are guys who are just going to have that mindset of, oh, in the biggest game, Tua wasn't available. Uh, you know, you can't actually prescribe when you're going to have an injury. And for them to state that because Jalen Hurts played well for Alabama, that means Tua wasn't really the Heisman 
It's just nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. Anyway, I'm going to bring my dad on. There's another story I want to cover, but it's going to have to wait until another time because I'm not going to be able to cover it with the level of care and detail that I want. But I want to address the Raheem Sterling incident at Stamford Bridge uh, that went on yesterday. And uh, his uh, social media posts critiquing the English media as a whole. I want to talk about that because, you know, obviously it's not one that I normally get into. But I think it's 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 a valid conversation to be had. So I'm going to have to save that for a little bit later on next week. Uh, but we're, we're going to talk about that one as well uh, uh, at some point after my birthday uh, coming up this week. But uh, let, let's uh, bring my dad on the line here. Uh, we'll get him on because I'm sure he's going to want to talk about the Heisman voting as well as as well as a couple other things that are going to be coming on this Sunday slate with NFL games. So without much further ado, let's bring my dad on and get right down to it. Yeah, so Kelly, here's the thing that I, I want the Heisman voters to take account of because, you know, this is just so lacking in basic common sense. I want the Heisman voters to explain to me how in a conference that plays absolutely zero defense whatsoever, there's no defense being played in the Big 12. How you are base you are basing your argument for a Heisman vote based on the quarterback rating in a league where there's absolutely zero defense being played versus the toughest conference in the league where every game Alabama's favored by two touchdowns against the stiffest competition in the league because Tua makes that team, as great as it is, that much better. But somehow, Tua isn't the most valuable player because Alabama's so good that you can't give it to Tua because it's like, well, Alabama would have won those games anyway, so we can't give him the Heisman, even though it makes them such a prohibitive favorite that all the odds makers basically tell you that Alabama's not losing this game, so we have to like we have to uh, make the line so high. It's like I- I've never heard such nonsense. It, like literally, Oklahoma has no defense. No one else in the Big Twelve can play any defense, so all the numbers are inflated. Like, how are you basing this argument on numbers? It makes no sense. Plus, to your point, Tua doesn't even play in the fourth quarter because Alabama's up so much. You had a problem with that Because I don't understand how 
Well, that's the thing. It's like it, it's it's not it's not as though we're not saying Murray didn't have a great year, but you like there's no context being put into this. Like Oklahoma, that's the problem. <laughs> that's why I'm the problem. Context, the exact word I wanted. Context, they 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 kind of dumbed down this 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 voting, and they didn't put things into context. You play in Auburn, South Carolina, you know Georgia, and and I mean you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me to tell me that you playing LSU and all these things, and and you and you're gonna hold it against him because I mean you played Georgia twice, you know. Well, well that well that's the thing. Well, well, that's that that's what people are holding against Tua. They're holding him the fact that he got hurt and he threw two picks against Georgia, and that like, well, they would have lost the game if Jalen Hurts came in if Jalen Hurts hadn't come in. So. You know, how can he be the Heisman? And I'm like, because every other game when he's uh, fully healthy, Alabama is that dominant against everyone else. It's like, people like just looked at it. It's like, they, they only, they look, it's like, oh, well, his last game wasn't that good. Like, what? Again, context. Look at the entire season. That Like, I feel like everyone was just like, oh, well, the last game, well, he didn't play as well, so let's give it to the other guy. It makes no sense. <laughs> The, the writers have become so lazy, that's what we've come down to. It's just a quarterback or a running back race. It, they've, they've become far too lazy. I haven't seen anybody that dominant 
dirty white. You know, I mean, you just like you just can't block him. Yeah, so I, I, I really don't understand what it is you're looking for. Do I like Mahomes? Yes, he looks really good. You know, he looks really good too. Yeah. So then, if you want to do that, so then, please can't win the MVP for his last game against Dallas. You know, and you know, teams now are going to look at that game and say, we got to get that pressure up the middle. We got to get that pressure up the middle. You know. I, 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 I don't understand what, what they be looking at. But that's... Well, Kelly, we've been talking about this for years now, that the NFL has become more about what, what you can do from a fantasy football perspective. It, it's, it's about how much, oh, oh, uh, how much you, can, you, can, you can do in terms of fantasy stats that you're compiling. That, that's really what it, it's coming down to. Oh. Oh yeah, no the the the, the, the NFL has has make the NFL become the NBA. Oh yeah, the the, the, the NFL's basically admitted to it. The the NFL has basically admitted as much because they're all they're saying with all those press releases highlighting how great things are going is the fact that the uh, viewers are liking more offense. They, they they don't care. They don't care if it's changing substantively. Because the way the NFL is looking at it is that the old way was leading them to more lawsuits. That that's that's literally what they're talking about. So under the guise of everything, the NFL is covering its ass against having to pay out any money at all. You know, so so while talking about uh, it's it, it, um, we 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 protecting the player. It's, it's the same thing, you know. So I I I I am I'm, I'm still laughing at, at, at the way they they do it. But you know, I I I just enjoy these last few years that we're gonna be able to watch good football, you know, and. What? 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 You're not. You're not gonna like the age of uh, uh, fifty-six to fifty-two scores. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I haven't watched an NBA game for the year. You know why? Until the NBA reaches the playoffs, I have no interest in it. I have zero interest in, in the NBA. I cannot stand every night. You run down the court, you throw up a tree. You run down the court, you throw up a tree. He runs down, and that's that's what that's what it is. You know, you telling me about? Uh, it's like you want the Houston Rockets. They have reverted to the, the Houston Rockets of old, where they they can score, but it can't stop nobody from scoring, and. Getting out scored. Well, 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 that's the thing. 
Well, that's that's what happens when you because the reason why Houston struggles so much, everyone's like they can't play defense. But the reason why they can't play defense is because they're not hitting the three pointer. When you when you miss a long range three pointer, the ball bounces out and you're you're stuck in transition, and the other team's got you got you beat down the floor. With the war, the, the difference with the Warriors over everyone else is that they've got Steph and they got Clay Thompson, and if you're trying to trade threes with them, you will always lose that matchup. It's like it, it, it goes without saying you're going to lose that matchup. The reason the reason why they get trouble at times in the playoffs is when teams decide to go inside and beat them on the inside. Now the problem is, is that with uh, with them adding on Boogie Cousins, like I don't, I don't even know how you're supposed to defend the Warriors now because technically, like they're going to have mismatches all along the court. It's like the only way you're going to be able to beat them is hope for injuries, or you hope you get them in foul trouble and you can, you can target their bench, which is what teams have been have been able to take advantage of so far early this year. But other than that, like it, it's it's pushing it. to go all out for one or two games, but to put that together consistently, you have to practice that consistently. That's why the only team that I see in the NBA that can give the Warriors trouble in the playoffs is Memphis, because Memphis actively practices playing defense and slowing down the tempo to a level where they can hold you if they if, if, they, if they can get you down to their tempo and, and they're playing good defense, and you're not feeling comfortable with your shot, that's the only team that I can see really giving them trouble because of the fact that it, it's just an awkward style of play for them compared to everyone else who wants to go up and down the court with them. Right. 
if you watch that Bulls team and you watch the Knicks team that used to give them all that trouble, talent-wise, it wasn't there. But the problem was the Knicks team could hold you, they slow you down, you make you walk the ball up and slow you down, and which is what everybody complained about was the, the, the games that, 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 that 96-86. You, you know, they don't want that. Oh, it's so boring watching the Knicks. Yeah, the the boring game between the Knicks and the Heat. I and I I I I still, you know. Listen, listen. You know, everyone who keeps telling me that it's such a boring game, I know never played basketball in their lives because it's the same way that you can't tell how much technique is involved having to shed a defender that's on you. And the, some of the techniques the defender's using versus some of the techniques the offensive player has to use to get uh, to, to beat a hand check. Like, that's how I know the, the, the average sports viewer has just gotten collectively dumber over the past few decades. Because they can't appreciate, they can't appreciate the technique that's involved in order to actually do certain things. So they have to dumb it down to the level where guys can't actually hand check anymore. Uh, uh, because uh, now now they have to emphasize the scoring, but now guys can't even learn how to jump shoot anymore because they're so busy trying to check up a three-point shot. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, because... Because, uh, because, like, people, pe- because people keep saying, oh, it's so inefficient using a jump shot. A jump shot's not inefficient if you know how to consistently hit a jump shot to get your... If you have a wide-open jump shot, you should be able to hit that jump shot 70% of the time. The problem is is that most NBA players, even it doesn't matter if they're guarded or not guarded, their jump shot percentages are under 50% more often than not, which is embarrassing. Why, why are you jumping? They, can't, they don't jump now because nobody plays defense in front of them. Everybody is have to use a jump shot before because a guy used to be in front of you jumping up with his hands in the air. They don't even do that shit anymore. I mean... You know, all that energy that Reggie, Reggie Miller used to use running through all those screens to get... Oh, oh it, it, like, I know for a fact Reggie Miller must be like, man, these guys are lazy at their jobs. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he won't, he won't, he won't say it because he's a commentator, but, I mean, he's got to be looking at it and saying, I, I put in so much work and...
you know, I, I always, you know, you know, but we have a generation now, as, as I say, it's, it's, it's a cell phone generation, that everything they see is the best thing since sliced bread. Nobody's better than them, you know. Nobody's better. You know, you realize that six, seven years from now, when somebody comes up, they're going to say he's better than LeBron. I don't think LeBron was that good. It's just that how they, 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 they minimize Jordan now. You know, oh, well, he's this. Oh, well, he's that. Oh, well, he's this. You know. It's the same thing. It's it's Oh, it's, uh, oh it's, it, 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 it it's 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 already going to happen because what uh like if Zion Williamson is even close to what he's showing in college right now, yeah, they're going to push a, a LeBron to the side and promote Zion Williamson. Because Zion's yeah. even larger than LeBron. If you look at Zion Williamson's body, he's even larger than LeBron. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He he the only thing I'm, I'm I'm seeing good is that I can't remember the last time I see the Knicks win a game. So you know we on course. Oh well, well, we on course. Well, well, people were talking about it. It's like you know why did why the Knicks keep playing Moutier? Like you know like we we can't play any defense. Like can't they play Nitalakina some minutes to spell Moutier when the teams are making runs against us? I'm like. They're trying to lose these games, people. It's like the, 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 there's a pro, like it's like they know Nilakina can help this team, but the problem is is that you know we don't want this team to actually play uh, well enough on defense because if they learn how to play defense, they may actually win enough games to make sure we only finish in the top ten and not in the top three. Because, because now, because you can't tank to the number one spot like you used to for percentages, you can only get to the bottom three. Like this plays into like what we what what you got to do. So you got to try to get to a level where you're in the bottom three, and the Knicks are close. They're they're close. Yeah. All the Knicks got to do is look good and get the moral victory. Because every time I see a score, I see we lose. Every, I say, good, 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 good. Not losing by a lot, but, you know, losing. So that, that's the thing. You know, because the Giants probably going to piss me off and they're going to win today again. You know? Oh, no, no, no. The, no, the Giants are trying to lose this game. Because it's already started. Because they made sure they made sure to put uh, they made sure to put Landon Collins on IR. They held out Odell, so Odell's out of the game. Like the Giants are trying to do what they can because they realize it's like, oh crap. Well, we weren't really trying to win that Bears game, but Saquon was so good that you know we didn't really have much of a choice, and the Bears kind of dropped the ball. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll, we'll we'll get we'll catch up later, Kelly, because I I gotta I gotta okay. do uh, the predictions anyway. So we'll talk another time. All right. Take it easy. Okay. All, All right. right. Later on. All, All right. right. Bye bye. All 
All right, so let's get right down to it with the spread picks uh, before we move uh, along any further into the day. So, I mean, let's just start off with uh, the Thursday night game. Obviously, Jacksonville didn't even bother showing up to play. Tennessee took advantage of that. I didn't like Tennessee more than a field goal, so I had to take Jacksonville, even though I thought Jacksonville was going to lose that game. But, man, Jacksonville just laid down like a dog. I mean, oh, 240 yards for Derrick Henry and four touchdowns. I mean, the, the, please, forget, forget about it. Like, that's just Jacksonville not even trying to be professional uh, athletes. I mean, that was a dead count bounce against uh, Indy, uh, clearly, and they couldn't handle the success, surprise, surprise, and got absolutely smoked on a Thursday night game. I mean, that was embarrassing. But, uh, yeah, so moving along to the 1 o'clock games, We've got Cleveland hosting Carolina. Everyone's saying that this is the must-win game for Carolina. Carolina, even though they're the road team, they're favored by a point and a half. Honestly, I said this last week. What is there to say about Carolina? Like, maybe we got to stop looking at it as, like, this is a playoff team. More like, this is a very inconsistent team that could make the playoffs, but probably won't. And I said that when I picked Tampa to cover the three and a half and possibly win that game because, you know, there wasn't a whole lot to say about Carolina's defense. Like, the offense is sketchy. The defense is sketchy. Uh, You know, Cleveland's got a solid group. I I mean, say what you will about Baker Mayfield. He can throw the ball down the field. He's a competent enough passer that way. And Nick Chubb's a good running back. I think they're going to be able to put up points against Carolina. And if Cam is not healthy, this is a very different uh, Carolina offense. There's no uh, there's no Greg Olson. Uh, so, and, I mean, Devin Funches has been in and out of lineup the entire year. You're relying on DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, uh, Samuel to carry the load along with Christian McCaffrey. Now, I believe Christian McCaffrey can have a baller day, and we'll get to the DFS picks. I, I firmly believe Christian McCaffrey could get you over 100 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown at least. Uh, you know, he's the most expensive guy uh, on the DFS slate, but I honestly think he's he's worth it. But I'm not sold on this Carolina team. I, I think that Cleveland is going to win this one. I really do. I, I just like where the Browns are heading at the moment, and I don't like where Carolina's heading. The defense is very suspect with Carolina. I think they can get hurt. With a number of big plays. I mean, uh, because I think they're going to be so focused on Christian McCaffrey that I could see Baker Mayfield being able to hit him with a couple of play action plays and get like a, an Antonio Callaway down the middle of the field. I mean, Jarvis Landry could hit him uh, with some plays too, like in the slot. Like, I, I firmly believe that this is a very dangerous game for Carolina, uh, even though it's a must win game. Like, this was. This was going to be the matchup Carolina needed to be worried about. Not the Tampa game. Tampa, they should have been able to take take care of business on. This was the game that I was worried about for Carolina. So if they lost the Tampa game, I can't take them, uh, take them in this Cleveland game. This was the game I thought they should have been worried about. So I'm going to take Cleveland uh, uh, with a, a point and a half, uh, giving a point and a half. I, 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 just, I just like the Browns' chances to win this one outright. I'll, I'll probably bet this one too. All right, so we got Buffalo hosting the Jets. Oh, man, the Bills lane three and a half against Sam Darnold returning for the Jets. Not that I was one of those people who actually think Sam Darnold makes a difference one way or another about how the Jets perform. 
week in, week out. Uh, Let's just be perfectly blunt about this. These are two of the bottom three worst offenses in the league. I think the only offense worse uh, than these two would be Oakland, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe it's Detroit. Well, let's be clear. It's like these are really bad offenses going up against each other. I personally will try to have this game on mute as much as possible uh, just to see if anything happens. The only personal fantasy significance would be LaShawn McCoy just because he ran all over this Jets team en route to a 41-3 victory. I don't think it'll be that lopsided. I do think the Bills uh, cover this game, though. But I don't think it's going to be the blowout that uh, it was the first go-around. I I just don't like the way this Jets team's performing. Darren Lee just got picked up for a PED violation. That You know, there are a lot of things with that Jets team. It looks like they've quit on Todd Bowles, to be perfectly honest. But, uh, you know, I don't think this Bills team is all that good either. I mean, yes, Josh Allen is a possibility for uh, tournament plays uh, on DFS slates because of his rushing ability. But if I want rushing ability, I would rather just go with Lamar Jackson, Uh, not not necessarily go uh, go down the route with uh, uh, Buffalo here. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with uh, the Bills here and see where that takes me. Definitely not betting this game though. This is gonna be an ugly one. The game that gives me the most agita: the Giants coming in to play Washington. Not agita about worried about if the Giants can win this game or not. More like agita if Washington could somehow win this game to help make sure the Giants get a top three draft pick uh, next year in the draft. I honestly can't see any scenario where the Giants manage to blow this game to Mark Sanchez. And that pisses me off. Like, the Giants are trying everything. Uh, they, They put Landon Collins on IR. They deactivated Odell Beckham yesterday ahead of this game uh, with a quad injury, trying to make sure he doesn't play in this game. The Giants are trying to do everything they can to lose this game. And yet still, I think Mark Sanchez will find a way to make sure the Giants win this game easily. I easily can see a scenario where Mark Sanchez throws no less than two interceptions on this one and, uh, you know, and just completely tanks this game for the Redskins. Uh, You know, I've, it infuriates me to no end because if you watch that Monday night game, there was no chance Washington was coming back in that game. I, I put the live bet on for the Eagles once that happened because it was painfully obvious Mark Sanchez could not move the football. And I still don't think even with a couple of days of practice, that's going to make a lick of difference. He is not an NFL quarterback anymore. This is ridiculous that we have scenarios where guys who have no business being on a football field are being put in these positions because NFL teams are refusing to look at certain QBs. And I'm not just talking about uh, Colin Kaepernick. Hell, even Tebow could play NFL football ahead of Mark Sanchez at this point. I'm not joking. Players and fans should have some reasonable expectation that their team is doing everything they can to put themselves in a position to win. And that is not what is happening in Washington. They can say what they want about the amount of injuries preventing them from being able to effectively field a competitive playoff roster. But the simple truth of the matter is, is that 
They had numerous opportunities to try to address the quarterback position, even if they offered up trades to get somebody in there that can quarterback the position. They had a chance at the division. They just chose to punt it completely and not actually uh, put any more resources into the season. So let's not try to uh, uh, make it as though uh, it, make it as though that they, they they just ran into some bad luck. Yes, they had some injuries, but this was just the organization as a whole quitting on the season than anything else. And you know, hopefully Sanchez does something on uh, today. I really, I really do hope that the Giants lose this game because we could use the draft spot. The problem is that I don't see it happening because I know what Mark Sanchez is, and it's not a very good quarterback. And we could be just stuck with having to take yet another win. So, uh, yeah, the five wins will easily put the Giants out out of uh, even contending for a top draft pick. It will probably put us, might actually put us outside the top ten when it's all said and done. It depends. It really does depend on how things shake out. It's like, this is not going to be good for the Giants. Moving on. We got Aaron, the supposed coach killer Rodgers, hosting the Atlanta Falcons. You know, a lot's been said about Green Bay in the last couple of days, and it's true. Mark McCarthy is a Super Bowl winning coach, but... So are a couple other guys who are Super Bowl winning coaches. Barry Switzer's got a Super Bowl too. Uh, you know, there has been nothing shown by Mark McCarthy in the last four years to justify his position in the NFL. Really not. They they could say what they want about how difficult it is to work with Aaron Rodgers. Still does not change the fact that Mike McCarthy was below average as an NFL head coach. This hiring should have uh, this firing should have happened last year. The they basically gave Mike McCarthy an excuse that Aaron Rodgers was injured, so that's why he couldn't perform up to his level of due diligence. But you know, it's it's not remotely the truth. The fact of the matter is, is that uh, Mike McCarthy was a subpar NFL head coach the last five years. There are numerous questionable decisions I could trace back to that exhibit that. The fact that they somehow lost that game to the Seahawks still was the breaking point, but he was making bad decisions leading up to that game too. Like, I don't have any sympathy for Mike McCarthy here. Yes, did Aaron Rodgers probably pull a power play to get him fired and just completely tank that Arizona game? Yeah, he probably did. But guess what? He's He is more innately in tune to what's wrong with this team than anyone else. So yes, while Aaron Rodgers may be a pain in the ass, and maybe a diva, and maybe a prickly person who does not get along well with others, and doesn't play nice in the sandbox. The bottom line is, you committed the entirety of your uh, uh, your payroll essentially to him when you gave him that extension. So he's running the show, whether you like it or not. That's what you resigned yourselves to. So, you know, Rogers got his way. There's going to be more pressure on him now. They're saying that he's not going to be in control of the situation. But guess what? He is exactly in control of the situation. There's no doubt about it that he's going to be coordinating everything that's going on. So, as it stands, uh, with the next head coaching search, Aaron Rodgers will be directly involved, even if they can't actually say that. So, let's talk about the matchup itself. 
Green Bay laying five and a half against Atlanta. Do I trust Atlanta? Hell no. Like, you know, as an underdog with five and a half points, hell no. I don't trust him. I don't trust anything about Atlanta. Matt Ryan's still shaky as hell. Uh, you know, the Falcons run game is absolutely hit or miss. Like, you don't know what you're going to get out of Tevin Coleman week uh, week after week. And Edo Smith is incredibly inconsistent. There is nothing that I like about Atlanta. But, be that as it may, there's no way I'm taking Green Bay laying five and a half. If this was a three, uh, a three, a three point spread or three and a half point spread, I, I mean, even at three and a half, I, I still don't think I can take the Packers. Like the Packers have not played well enough against anyone to justify that line. I mean, even if the game's at home, like the Packers have shown that that defense, because of trading away Holly Clinton Dix, that they can't stop anyone. So, yeah, I think Julio's going to have a big day. So why would I even suggest try to take Green Bay at five and a half? No, I can't take that line. That line's too high from Green Bay. That line sh- should be down. It definitely should be down. There- there's no way I can support that line. So uh, be that as it may, as much as I dislike the Falcons, I got to take the Falcons. That's what- That line's too high for Green Bay. I don't care about uh, how much they hated Mike McCarthy. That team's still got to show it to actually be uh, justified at line. New Orleans playing Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is given eight and a half points. I mean, here's the thing. Saints did not look good. I could see the scenario where the Saints find a way to bounce back and take care of business against Tampa. I can also see a scenario where... Tampa Bay keeps this game close, and I'm sweating out if the Saints could cover eight and a half. So, I mean, I could split the baby here and just go with half Saints, half uh, Tampa, depending on my picks pools. But as an outright game to bet on uh, for the spread, I'm not touching it because I could easily see this game being a tight one, or I could see the Saints blowing out Tampa by the fourth quarter. It really depends on how soon the Saints offense could get itself on track. So, you know, be that as it may, I, I, I'm going to have to take New Orleans here, but I got a lot of trepidation, and I do not trust this pick one bit. I can easily see a situation where Tampa uh, lights up the scoreboard and uh, make, makes life absolutely difficult uh, for New Orleans to uh, get into it. Or I can easily see uh, Jameis Winston throwing four picks in the first half, and, you know, we get, we get the reemergence of Fitzmagic again. Like, none of those scenarios would shock me whatsoever. Moving on. Kansas City hosting Baltimore. Chiefs laying six and a half. I, I got to take the Chiefs here. I, I really do. Here, Here's my problem with uh, this game. I need to see Lamar Jackson being able to throw the ball a little bit more in order to trust him in the road game like this. I have my concerns that the Chiefs will still be able to put up points, and I'm not sure that Lamar Jackson can uh, control the football and avoid turnovers this early into his career, given how much he scrambles. I I do think the Chiefs can force some fumbles, can force some interceptions. I I don't necessarily like pushing uh, pushing on Baltimore here, even though I know it's tempting to look at that 6.5 line and say that, 
uh, Lamar Jackson has given the Ravens a spark where they would be able to keep this game close and it ends up being a field goal, uh, field goal decided game. It's entirely possible that happens. I'm just not, I just can't cross that bridge. So I'm actually going to take KC here uh, as a six and a half point favorite. Miami and New England. Dolphins are eight and a half point underdogs at home. Listen, I don't care what anyone says. New England just does not play well in Miami. Something freaky always happens year after year after year. Brady doesn't have good numbers here. The kicking game usually has something wonky going on. Like, this is just a fluky-ass place for... uh, (laughs) That's not even a word, but it's just a a strange trap for New England. Like, some weird stuff happens whenever the Patriots come down to Miami for this game. I do not have a good feeling at all about even remotely coming close to the Patriots here. I know some folks uh, would take the Patriots here. Not me. I, I'm I'm taking Miami, at, uh, giving the 8.5, and, and calling it a day. Yeah, could the Pats win this game? Absolutely. I, I have no doubt about that. But I do not feel comfortable taking this New England team just because I've seen, I've seen enough out of them to know that they have had their struggles on the road. I mean, again, you, you go back to the Tennessee game. You go back to the, uh, the Jacksonville game. Like, they do not play that well on the road. And in particular, division game against a team that they struggle against in Miami, I, I just I, I just do not like this whatsoever. I mean, I may even bet some money on Miami to cover this one just because I know people are going to be putting late money on the Pats. I just... I do not have a comfortable feeling about this Miami game for New England at all. They could, I could easily see them losing this game in a fluke fashion and costing themselves home field advantage throughout the playoffs in the AFC. Next up, we've got Houston hosting Indy. This is an interesting game here because Houston's won eight in a row. Everyone's talking them up as a potential Super Bowl underdog now uh, as a dark horse in the AFC. I'm not entirely sure that Houston's good. I know Indy's an average team. I don't know how good Houston is. And this would be a spot to determine how good Houston actually is, if they can take care of business here. But when you win that many games, sometimes complacency sets in. And I'm I'm a little skittish. Uh, So Houston's favored by four and a half points. But I'm a little skittish taking Houston here. Just because I could see scenarios where they take the Colts not as strongly as they should, given the win streak they've had. But I could see Andrew Luck uh, creating some chances down the field uh, for this Colts team. So I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not ready to give uh, uh, give it to the Colts just yet for the division and everything else. I do think that uh, I, I'm not really giving uh, giving it for Houston rather. Uh, the division. I, I do think that there's an uh, opportunity for the Colts here uh, to pull off the upset. I would not be surprised by that at all. Uh, I, I just feel as though this this screams like a trap game uh, to Houston. Uh, it, you know, I just don't have a great feeling about it. All right, so moving on to the four o'clock games, we've got Denver traveling to San Francisco. Uh, Denver five and a half point favorites. This is one of my biggest bets of the, of, of uh, the week. 
Uh, I'm absolutely taking Denver here. It is a smash spot against San Francisco. Uh, that pass rush of the Broncos will get to Nick Mullins. You know, this should be a this should be a cakewalk for. Uh, I mean, if you come right down to it, this should be a cakewalk for Denver. I, I don't I don't see where uh, San Francisco is able to keep uh, keep up in this game. I, I just I'm 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 just not. I'm just not into this one at all. I, I just can't see where San Francisco's keep, keep it up with Denver on this one. As much as uh, I rag on uh, Case Keenum, I do think that uh, there will be opportunities for Denver to put them away early, and I don't see San Francisco bouncing back. Another game. Cincinnati traveling to Los Angeles to play the Chargers. Normally, the Chargers have no home fans, but... I can't see Bengals fans subjecting themselves to having to travel out to L.A. Or even Bengals fans acknowledging that they're Bengals fans if they happen to live in L.A. Uh, so this should actually be a home game for once for the Chargers. Uh, they're 14.5 point favorites. It's a huge line. It's a huge, huge line. But, you know, the truth of the matter is is that Jeff Driscoll is still the quarterback for the the Bengals. And Driscoll just has no business being on the NFL field. You know, I could say that about a couple of these QBs, but, like, right now, uh, some of these guys need a formal training course as to how to run the quarterback position because the quarterback play is abysmal in certain parts of uh, the NFL, this being one of them. Uh, You know, the Bengals have got to figure out a succession plan for Andy Dalton, Uh, you know, Andy Dalton can get them some wins, but, you know, when it, it comes right down to it, it it's just not, uh, it's just not even remotely, uh, it's just, it's just not, it's not a good mix right now. So I, I look, I look at this and I just say that, uh, you know, Cincinnati can't move the football. I think they're going to be in the exact same spot as Washington being unable to move the football because of, uh, just, terrible quarterback play the only difference being is that driscoll's faster than sanchez so driscoll should be able to make some uh rushing yards to at least get a couple of first downs sanchez is just a sitting duck but that's real realistically the only difference and then uh i i definitely could see uh situations where uh between eckler and justin jackson that they'll be able to assault this game away with relative ease so i i just look at this as a relatively clear-cut case for Los Angeles. The question is, can they cover 14 and a half points? I'm not entirely sure they can. Just from the standpoint of, I could see Cincinnati getting some garbage points because the Chargers have given up big passing plays this year due to lack of concentration. But, at the same time, you know, I don't see Cincinnati putting up more than 17 points in this one. And I can easily see the Chargers putting up over 30. So, I'm going to lean with the Chargers even though this could end up being down to the wire as to uh, if the line gets covered or not. All right, Detroit at Arizona. Uh, I wish I could turn the page on this one. The only thing really need to be paying attention to is David Johnson, uh, given the fact that uh, Chase Edmonds has been vulturing some touchdown carries for him. Uh, I look for David Johnson to have a good matchup today. And I do think that uh, they'll be able to uh, put up good numbers 
against this Detroit Lions defense, you know, that still gets beat on the run with uh, not being able to maintain their gap assignments, still giving up uh, uh, plays uh, through the air. Uh, You know, I I just, I'm not, I'm not just, uh, I'm just not even interested in talking about this game further. Uh, These are just two really bad teams. Somebody's got to win it or they could tie. But I, I do think that uh, there, there will be, uh, there will be uh, some winner here, even though this would be one of the uglier slates of the weekend. All right, so uh, getting to the Fox game of the week, we got the Eagles traveling to D- Dallas. Dallas four and a half point favorites. I gotta think that Dallas will find a way here. Uh, the Eagles shot themselves in the foot again by shooting their mouths off, talking about how Dallas is more prone to getting distracted and that they'll choke. And, you know, just usual bulletin board materials that you don't say right before the game because we all know that Dallas plays far better at home, especially with that defense that they do on the road. Uh, it doesn't travel that well, and their speed on turf at home just puts them in such a spot where it's almost uh, as though they know the play before you actually run it. So it, it makes it very li- life very difficult for uh, offenses and QBs to actually put together uh, productive uh, 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 productive drives. Uh, so I, I just look at this as a case where uh, Dallas uh, takes care of business against Philly, eliminates Philly's title. Uh, defense run and uh, we'll, we'll be done with it. So the other matchups today uh, that we have are Pittsburgh and Oakland. Oakland 11.5 point underdogs at home. I know I talk about this all the time for double digit uh, home underdogs. You, you got to take them. Uh, I'm going to take the Raiders here. I know they have not been playing well, but Pittsburgh is in a get-right spot because with James Conner out and injured, this makes sense that they would go out of their way to kind of figure out what they have with some of these other replacement players because if it's truly a high ankle sprain that uh, is going on with James Conner, there's a good chance that he won't be back until week 17. Uh, Just given the time that it usually takes for uh, recovery from high ankle sprain. So, uh, it's entirely possible that James Cotter is out for an extended period of time that will go past the fantasy football playoffs. So, a uh, lot to worry about. Uh, uh, for those of you who are diehard Steelers fans, uh, this one could be a bit closer than uh, they would care to admit. But I, I look at it as a case where um, Oakland, I think, is able to keep this to a touchdown uh, touchdown to 10-point defeat. I, I think the uh, line, if it was 7.5, easily you take uh, New Orleans. But at 11.5, I mean, you need a lot of things to break right for New Orleans and for Oakland not to even remotely try in the second half. So uh, I'd rather just take the Raiders there. Sunday night football, we've got the Rams and the Bears. I, I look at this as a case where you know, how confident do you feel about the Rams? Honestly, if you really trust the Rams, you take that three and a half. If you think that the Rams are due for uh, a game where they'll struggle, 
Then you go with the Bears. This, to me, is a kind of coin flip game. I, I don't really see a whole lot here that uh, would like interest me in terms of uh, betting on the game. I, I, I just... I'll take Chicago's defense. I think that they'll be able to uh, make some plays happen. But uh, in terms of uh, the game itself, I do think the Rams end up winning it. It will probably end up being like a field goal deciding it late. But uh, I do think that it's an L.A. team that just has so few, much fewer holes than Chicago. I don't think Chicago's going to be able to keep up with them, even though they're at home tonight. So, this brings us to Monday Night Football with Minnesota traveling to Seattle. You know, meaningless stat of the day. Uh, like, the Vikings are, uh, oh, uh, like, since uh, Russell Wilson's been in the league, uh, the Vikings have not been able to win a game against him. They should have been able to win a game against him in the playoffs if it wasn't for Blair Walsh brutally hooking a 30-yard field goal for the win. I mean, that should have happened, but, you know... Speed as it may, Seattle's not quite what they were. They have much uh, much improved running game, though, so they'll probably lean on that uh, against uh, uh, this uh, this uh, Minnesota team that I, I still look at as one of the biggest disappointments of the league just because, you know, I really thought Kirk Cousins would have been far more efficient in this offense than he is. Uh, Minnesota does not really use... Uh, enough targets, in my opinion, on the passing game side. I think they are leaning way too much uh, 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 potential coverages to uh, both Thielen and Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs is also carrying an injury designation with him, so if he misses time again, I mean, you're looking at the likes of Laquan Treadwell uh, again, and, uh, you know, I, I just don't think that that's necessarily the answer at this stage of the game. I, I, I truly look at this as a case where, you know, let's see how some of these top teams perform, but, you know, it's time to start weeding out the pretenders from the contenders. So I, I just look at this as a case where, you know, I think Seattle wins this game. Uh, I think they covered the three and a half points. I don't think Minnesota is nearly as good as people give them credit for. And so I will go with uh, Seattle, even though uh, I'm not necessarily the biggest uh, Russell Wilson supporter. Uh, but I, I do think that Seattle is good enough to get the W here. So uh, that does it for the picks pool. Let's get into the DFS lineups uh, uh, shortly and uh, kind of go into what the thought process I have going into this Week 14 slate. As far as the DFS slate goes, I mean... It really just kind of comes down to how you use the running backs. Because, you know, at the end of the day, I kind of look at this as a weird slate where you can get value at both the running back position and the wide receiver position. So there there are a couple of arguments you can make for a number of guys. But, I, I mean, I still think that at the end of the day, like the guys you have to have in your lineup, or at least one of them, would be between McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. Mainly because Cleveland's not very good against the run, so uh, McCaffrey should get a lot of play there, and he'll be able to catch passes uh, uh, because of how focused uh, Carolina is on him on offense. But Saquon, you know, I talked about this. I'm definitely afraid of the Giants winning this game against Washington because Washington does not have a passing attack 
with Mark Sanchez under center. So the Giants should have multiple possessions. Now, it could just be that it turns into a punting game between Washington and the Giants, but I still think with the amount of underneath catches Saquon gets, you know, he's still going to get you 15 points. And there's always the potential for Saquon to break one at any given moment. I mean, that's what makes Saquon so ridiculous is the fact that he could just hit a home run like it's nothing and and just uh, blow up an entire game that way. So I just think that uh, between Saquon and McCaffrey, they have the game and, frankly, slate-breaking uh, uh, potential every single time. The other guy I would be looking at is Ezekiel Elliott. Now they're all uh, priced above eighty six hundred on DraftKings, so you're gonna you're not gonna be able to get get all three of them without completely compromising your lineup. You can get two of them in, and I would probably lean towards uh, McCaffrey and Saquon uh, over Zeke, even though I still think Zeke's in line for a massive day with over one hundred and thirty scrimmage yards uh, uh, on the day. Just because I think that the you know the touchdown potentials maybe slightly higher for uh McCaffrey and Saquon just because of the defenses are going against whereas Zeke is still going up against an Eagles team that is going to be playing out of their minds to try to salvage their season and get back into the postseason I, I do think that uh, there there is, there is a case to be made for uh the Eagles being able to keep Zeke out of the end zone more more often than people would be willing to admit, but I, I still think Zeke's a fantastic play today. I'm not as sold on Alvin Kamara today just because of the fact that, you know, even though the Bucks are not great uh, defensively, I still think that there's more potential for Mark Ingram to suck away touchdowns from Kamara than anybody else uh, that I mentioned between Zeke, McCaffrey, and Barkley to get vultured for a touchdown by another teammate. Like that that potential is just so much higher uh when it when it comes down to it for Kamara than anyone else. So like yeah, you could drop down to 8100, but I think Kamara is definitely in line to be vultured by his own teammate. Now, the reason why I said that there this is an interesting play is because of the value plays that you can pivot towards. So because of the injury to James Conner, the Steelers are going to Jalen Samuels at running back. He's only priced at 3700 on DraftKings. Uh, the, the, the number is, uh, I believe, uh, 4800, uh, either forty eight or 4700 on uh, FanDuel. i got to uh, double-check that. And then Jeff Wilson, he's 3800 on DraftKings. FanDuel, like, he's, uh, he's like 5200 but, like... Realistically, both those guys are so cheap that the amount of offense that could be centered around them for pass-catching purposes, they could easily score in double figures. And again, when you have guys that cheap, it just makes it a no-brainer to take a a gamble on them because, again, high floor and then a great ceiling because if they fall into the end zone, you've already won in cash because your, your other lineups are so cheap Guys are not going to be able to match up with you if you're sliding them in. So that's why they're between Samuels uh, and Wilson uh, on the 49ers. They're going to be chalked because they're too cheap. It's just the way it is. So you're going to have to fit one of them in, and then you can get two uh, premium running backs at the same time. 
All right, so moving on to wide receiver. We're going to talk about a couple of guys here. I, my personal favorite is Keenan Allen. I, I do think Keenan Allen at 7,400 is going to have a massive day against uh, a Cincinnati t- squad that just is a, a sieve. I mean, they, they can't stop anyone. They get burned by everyone. I, I, I really like uh, Keenan Allen uh, going up against that Cincinnati squad. It's just a great matchup for him. I know folks are going to be looking at Devontae Adams, too, as, as am I. Uh, if I'm pairing him with Aaron Rodgers at QB, yeah, that that, that makes uh, that totally makes sense. But I, I'm just looking at it. Keenan Allen, to me, is a guy who's definitely uh, capable of putting up monster numbers. No Melvin Gordon today uh, for the Chargers, so I, I think it's even more imperative that they featured the passing game. So, I actually like where Keenan Allen slotted today. I, I definitely think he's a, he's going to be uh, on the cheaper end, and it, it's going to work out uh, to uh, the benefit of fantasy owners uh, this week uh, by playing Keenan Allen. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is certainly is always in play. Uh, the other guy I would pay up for is Julio Jones because, again, the Packers secondary is in shambles given – uh, that Ha Clinton Dix is no longer there. There's no one that's going to be able to match up with Julio. Julio, I think, is in line for a bigger day than Devontae Adams. Uh, I mean, you can go uh, with a stack including Aaron Rodgers, Julio, and Devontae Adams. I, I will not begrudge you one bit for that. That's a that's a good uh, GPP uh, play in terms of uh, doing a stack. You do the two opposing wide receivers, and you do Aaron Rodgers, and you hope for the best. I, I definitely think uh, Rodgers can put up numbers. I think both of those receivers are in line for big games as well. The other guy that I'm probably going to live and die with uh, this week is uh, Chris Godwin on Tampa Bay. Uh, I think that he can have a massive day in the slot uh, against uh, New Orleans. Now, the only thing I could see that could screw up Godwin is if New Orleans decides to put Marcus Lattimore on him instead of what I think is going to happen is that Lattimore goes on Mike Evans. If uh, for some reason Godwin doesn't go off, then that means Mike Evans had a great day. Uh, I just think that it makes more sense for uh, New Orleans to concentrate on taking Mike Evans out of the game than taking out Chris Godwin. I mean, you know, it it would make more sense that you're shifting your best, uh, your best uh, uh, DBs onto the number one wide receiver. That's the number two wide receiver. So, uh, that's the way I kind of look at it. I think Godwin's a lock today to play. Uh, and if I get burned on it, I get burned on it. That that just means that Mike Evans had a, a great day in the office just because the, the attention was not being paid on him. Moving on to tight end. We have someone I cannot play just out of principle. Uh, the chalkiest play at tight end. I am not someone who can play Ebron. I don't believe in a guy... So, you know, and this may burn me, but, it, you know, at certain points, you have to take stance on what you're feeling comfortable with. And in the tight end spot, I would just rather play Cameron Bray. I mean, Cameron Bray is going to run you 3,900 on DraftKings, 5,200 on uh, FanDuel. He's a red zone target for Jameis Winston. The Bucks should be in the red zone quite a bit against uh, New Orleans today. I, I just, I feel far more comfortable playing Cameron Bray in cash and in GPPs than I ever would playing Eric Ebron. I know Ebron's getting targeted by Andrew Luck, and I know there's chemistry there between the two of them. I got to see a little bit more often. And believe me, it, it's one of those where 
I I get it. I I will not begrudge anyone who's playing Eric Ebron. It's just not a play for me. I've seen that happen too many times, and maybe this is just like past bias coming back to haunt me because I just see those nightmare games from the uh, Lions where he was slated to be just have an awesome matchup, and he fails completely. And maybe maybe this is the benefit of playing with a more seasoned, more logical quarterback like Andrew Luck than someone who's more of a thrower in Matt Stafford. I don't know. But me personally, I, I still can't get behind Eric Ebron yet. So that that's just the way I feel. The other guy I would say take a lo- long look at is Gronk. Gronk has never been cheaper. Gronk is under six grand on FanDuel and under five grand on DraftKings. That's insane. It's absolutely insane. I mean, yeah, you could pay up for Travis Kelsey after his monster week last week, but I, I think a lot of people are going to do that. I'm not. I'm not paying up for Kelsey. Uh, I can also see people paying up for Zach Ertz against the Cowboys, but to me, the Cowboys defense is so good. I, I don't want to even chance it. I really don't. So to me, uh, if the options are you can try to go with the chalk and Ebron. But I feel far more comfortable playing Cameron Bray. And if you want a leverage play that not that many people are going to be on just because of how rough the season has been, Gronk is the answer. Uh, I, I just look at it that way. Yeah, and then in terms of defenses to play, you know, you got the Chiefs cheap at 2300 The Giants and the Redskins both should be decent. Uh, you know, I think the Giants are more of a tournament play. I think you can play the Redskins, even though I think Saquon's going to have a big day. I don't see the Giants offense absolutely destroying Washington unless it's because Sanchez throws like pick sixes or just throws bad interceptions deep in his own end zone. Oh, God. This enti- I, I feel more nervous now talking through the ways Mark Sanchez can screw over Washington about re- just reevaluating my defenses completely because... I could easily see a scenario where the Giants end up being the top-scoring defense today. Maybe I should just play all Giants today. Oh, that 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 would burn me if the Giants ended up being the highest-scoring defense of the week and I ended up going underweight on them just because, you know, it it's just my biases like playing out that it's like because I want <laughs> I want the Giants to lose so badly. That, like, it, it just turns out that the Giants end up being the highest scoring defense of the week. Oh, man, that, that, that would just get, it would crush me. It would absolutely crush me. But uh, last but not least, like, uh, we're probably going to have to slot in a quarterback. Uh, for those of you who didn't plan out a quarterback in advance or are looking for me to give you an answer there, I would say you're probably going to go with Aaron Rodgers here. At 6K on DraftKings, I mean, you know, it's hard. It's hard to pass up Aaron Rodgers at this price point. Uh, Atlanta's just a terrible defense. It's way too cheap. Uh, you know, yes, you can go with Lamar Jackson, try to go for the running potential. I know folks are looking at Josh Allen against the Jets. Yes, you know, these are options you can go with in cash games and GPPs. I'm not going to begrudge you for playing Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen. I just think that logically uh, Aaron Rodgers is the play here. They, you've got a great quarterback against a absolute piss-poor defense. It makes way too much sense uh, to go that route. I I, I am just going to be on Aaron Rodgers and, you know, leave it at that. Just keep it simple. 
So that's where I'm leaning towards in terms of the DFS picks. Uh, you know, we'll see how this week plays out, but I, I think it really comes down to between Zeke, McCaffrey, and Barkley, whichever two go, because I, I, I don't think it's likely that uh, any of them busts, but like whichever two uh, goes off, like in terms of a high multiple, that's what's going to decide decide a lot of these tournament games and uh, and cash game lineups. It's just like if the premium running backs just dominate, or if they're you know they have solid games but they don't break out, so that you, you know the value guys actually contribute quite a bit to the whole. Uh, you know, we'll see how it pans out though. Uh, uh, as we're getting a little bit closer uh, to kickoff, uh, and I better get this episode up and running so. Uh, that's going to do it for the show today. Uh, uh, thanks again to my dad for being on. And uh, hopefully you guys uh, have a good run of slate with your playoff matchups. And uh, hopefully DFS works out as well. So have a good one, folks. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.